We're reading this morning Psalm 127. It can be found, if you want to follow it, on page 7 of your service sheets or page 624 in the Church Bibles. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let's just pray before I begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit, that you would help me to speak, and that you would give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two ways to do life, I think. One is to do life with God or to do it without him. To do it with Jesus or without him. These three lovely people this morning, Cara, Nathaniel and Dean, have decided and publicly declared that they're choosing to do life with God. To say goodbye to doing everything in their own strength, in their own power, and put their trust in Jesus Christ, in a person they know has saved them and has even sacrificed his own life for them. But what does it mean to live a life with God or with Jesus? Does it just mean going to church on a Sunday? Well, as you can probably guess, I would think that it might include that, But actually, I think it's something much bigger, much more holistic than just going to church on a Sunday. So let's see if we can tease a little bit of that out of the passages from the Bible that we've just heard read. Firstly, though, I have an admission to make. Last week, I was tuning into Woman's Hour on Radio 4. (laughs) I didn't deliberately tune into Woman's Hour, I have to tell you. But I was just getting in my car after walking the dogs on my day off in the Burfield Woods... And I switched on the radio, it was tuned to to Radio 4, and it was Women's Hour. And there was a discussion going on between a a focus group of women, um, who happened to be mothers, who were asked to discuss what they felt were some of the biggest issues facing life in Britain today. And the thing, at least the part of the conversation I listened to, that they latched onto more than anything else, was their fear that their children would never be able 
to afford to buy their own house. And, and it was fear. You could, you could hear it in their voices. It was, it was a really big deal for them as parents. And of course, they're right in one sense. It's a huge issue for young people today. Without help from better off parents, if you're lucky enough to have them, millions of young people would agree that they can't see how they'll ever be able to afford to buy a home. My own personal opinion is that the government ought to radically change the planning laws and get on with building another million homes, but this isn't a party political broadcast, and that's not the point of my talk. The psalm we heard just read a few minutes ago was written by King Solomon, and in it he says, from verse 3, he says that children are a great blessing from God. And of course, while children are a great blessing, they can also be the source of a lot of worry and anxiety to their parents, as the Radio 4 program demonstrated. What's more, the lack of children in the lives of couples who are struggling or who, who have even given up to, in conceiving children is a great source of sadness and anxiety for those who want but don't have children. And Mother's Day can be particularly hard for them. But it's interesting, I think, that Jesus, who never had a wife, who never had a family himself, I think shows us more about how to live as a human being than any other person who ever lived. And he shows us the most important thing, the most important part of being alive is relationships. Jesus said that the two most important things in the world are to love God and to love one another. Sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I mean, isn't that enough? And, and putting aside just for one moment that question about whether we are or are not good persons, Jesus' answer is, no, it's not enough. He didn't say that we should love God or love others, but that we should do both. So why do we need him? Why do we need God in our lives? And the answer, I think, is very simple. Because we were all created to live in a relationship with God, and until we find that relationship, there will always be something missing from our lives. So if we are mothers or fathers who are anxious and fearful for their children that they'll never be able to afford a home or whatever else it is, and we exclude God from the picture, then we put ourselves beyond God's help. And we've done nothing to alleviate our own worry and anxiety. In the psalm we heard read, Solomon goes way beyond even that. Solomon says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. And, and what the writer is saying here is, in other words, Solomon says that unless God's in your life, then what you do with your life can be taking you in the wrong direction. And it reminds me of when, when Kirsty and I had a young family and we moved into a lovely two-up, two-down old cottage in a beautiful rural location. 
And as my business career was going quite well, we took out a bigger and bigger mortgage and we built more rooms on the side and we converted the attic and then we converted the garage and we joined the garage onto the house. And after 10 years of building our dream family home, we had a five-bedroom, three-bathroom country house. Well done us. And the next thing that happened was that God came into my life and called me out of business into church ministry. And so we had to sell the house we'd spent 10 years building because we couldn't afford the mortgage anymore. Not because God is spiteful or enjoys having a joke at our expense, but because he wanted us to do something much more exciting than a series of house extensions. He was calling us to help build his house, his church. And ultimately that led to being here in Southcote. And I can tell you that since that time, life has been more exciting, more fulfilling, more full of love and joy and hope than I could ever have imagined before. Why is that? Because as Solomon wrote, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless God's in the picture We don't know that we're heading in the right direction. And Solomon, under God's direction, built the temple in Jerusalem in which people worshipped God for hundreds of years. And if Solomon implores us in the psalm to involve God in our lives, then Jesus models it in an incredible way. Let's look briefly at the gospel passage. Jesus has got to make the biggest decision of his life. You see, he knows that he won't be around for many years. He knows even at this early point in his ministry that the religious leaders of his day were already muttering about how to get rid of him. He knows that if the good news of the kingdom of God is to be passed on to the rest of the world, the only way it's going to happen is not through him, but through those who would follow him. Those he would teach to say and do the things that he was saying and doing. And he needs to make sure he chooses the right people to do that. So what does he do? Does he test the group of people around him to see how good their knowledge of the scriptures is? Because I probably would have done. Does he select the brightest and the best of the people who were showing interest in him? Because I probably would have done that. Does he name those who have the best connections or the most financial resources to help communicate his message Because those are the things that might have swayed me. But no, he doesn't. It says in our gospel reading, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Even Jesus himself, the son of God, when he needs to make one of the most important decisions in his life, finds somewhere quiet and asks God to guide him. And clearly God gives him the answer. Because when morning comes, it says, he calls his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. That was no random lottery. Jesus had prayed all night. He knew who to pick. And when he picked them, they weren't the obvious ones who stood out. They weren't, they were, sorry, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were a zealot and others. A real mixture of the uneducated, the unliked, and the unwanted. Not a promising bunch of students. But guess what? This unpromising bunch of students went on to walk with Jesus, to learn to do what he did, and then they went out and they changed the world. Within a few generations, Christianity, despite persecution and opposition, 
became the official faith of the entire Greco-Roman Empire. And today, our values of equality and tolerance and self-sacrifice and forgiveness come directly from the teachings of Jesus. All because he went out that night and prayed for his heavenly father to show him who to choose. And if Jesus felt he needed to involve God in his important decisions, how much more do we need to do the same? The prayer course that we've been studying in our home groups and midweek fellowship group in Lent this term is all about involving God in our lives, in our hopes, in our fears, in our decisions, in our grief, in our joy, in our relationships, in every aspect of our lives. And the point is that when we do that, when we lift our worries about children or about parents or our friends or our neighbours to God, he may not always wave a magic wand, but we know that they're in the best possible hands. Our daughter Kylie recently married a South African and she's making her life out there in South Africa. And the crime level out there is pretty bad to be honest, certainly a lot worse than Reading. And they don't have any savings at all of any kind. They dream about owning their own farm, but I can't see how they'll ever afford a house of their own, let alone a farm. But I'm not anxious or fearful for them. Why is that? Well, for two main reasons. Firstly, they have both put their faith in Jesus. They bring to God in prayer their challenges, their hopes, and their fears, and they seek his guidance. And that's the best place to be, being guided by God. But also... Because Kirsty and I have already seen the extraordinary way that God has been guiding Kylie in her life. And we trust him to continue to do that. I know some of you have heard this story, but a few years ago, our daughter Kylie was living at home with us. She was working at Burfield Common at the Vets as a veterinary nurse. And she was considering a call to the mission field in India. And she pushed on a few doors, but none of them seemed to open. And then out of the blue, one Sunday morning, she got a Facebook message from someone in South Africa saying, how would you like to come and work for two years as a veterinary nurse out with the wildlife in the bush, in the reserves? And she was really excited, but she was a little unsure because she thought she'd had this call to the mission field. And what did God really mean for her to do? And my wife, Kirsty said to her, look, because it was Sunday morning, and she said, when you go to the evening service at Greyfriars tonight, because that's where she was going to church, she said, why don't you go up and ask some people to pray with you for guidance? And so she went to church that evening, and after the service, she went up, and all she said to these two ladies who offered to pray for her was, I'm at a crossroads in my life, and I don't know which way to go, and I'd like you to pray that for some guidance from God. And these two women prayed for her. And as they were praying, one of them said to her, I don't know if this means anything to you, they said, but I can just see in my head, I can just picture these vast plains and a massive herd of wild animals and the word Africa. Isn't that amazing? Well, the rest is history. That's where she lives now. (laughs) Let me ask you something. Would you like to to get guidance like that from God? Would you like to have a close, intimate walk with Jesus? Instead of worrying about all the stuff that the TV news and the focus groups and the newspapers tell us we should be worrying about, 
Would you like for the creator of the universe to guide your journey in life? Jesus said, he said, I come to bring you life and life in all its fullness. And I believe passionately that it's impossible to have life in all its fullness without the most important relationship of all, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. A relationship of love that frees us from anxiety and fear and fear of death because when we put our faith in Jesus, we put our trust in one who loves us so much that on that first Easter weekend, he died on a cross for us, nailed to a cross in order that our sins could be forgiven and we could be set free. He sacrificed his life for us so that we can have life to the full. And because he rose from the dead, we know that after we have passed through death, we too will rise with him to eternal life. Now, I don't know where you are with regard to knowing and loving God. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, oh yes, Pads, yeah, yeah, I I know God, I love God, I pray to him, he guides my life. And that's wonderful, if that's the case. Some of you may be thinking, well, Yes, I, I believe in God, I believe what, you, what you've said, but I find it difficult to hear from God and to, to, to sort of know where he's guiding me. And if that's you, I strongly recommend that you come and join the prayer course that we're doing through Lent. There's still time to join. We're going to be here this Wednesday evening at 7.30 in this room. Come and join us. I found it really helpful in developing our relationship with God. One, of, one or two of you may be sitting here this morning and thinking, I just don't believe all this stuff. I've, I hear what you say, but I don't believe it. It sounds nice, but I don't believe it. And if that's you, let me assure you that that's exactly where I was 20 years ago. And what I'd say to you is this. Remain open. I'd encourage you to remain open to exploring further. Some of you here this morning may be sitting thinking, I don't really understand all you've said, but I've sensed something good in this, and I'd like to explore further. I'd like to find out a bit more. And if that's you, there are lots of ways that you can find out a bit more about doing life with God. And one way to do that is to come and try our Alpha course. We run an Alpha course every term. It's a wonderful, informal introduction to the Christian faith. Lisa's been on it. Cara's been on it. Many others have been on it. And... um, we, we run one, if you look at the website, it'll, in a, about a week's time, it'll have the dates for next term. If you don't live near here, there'll be a church near you running the Alpha course. There are 7,000 courses running all over the country. But you can come and find out more. But finally, there might be one or two people here this morning who are thinking to themselves, well, I don't understand everything. I don't have that relationship with God, but I, I want it. I can sense that I I need that. I want it. And if that's you, well, you can make a start right now, right here this morning. Because I'm going to finish with a prayer. And I'm going to invite you, if if you're feeling God, if anything I've been saying, has, if, if it's been tugging at your heart, if you've been feeling God is calling you to start doing life with him, then you can pray this prayer along with me in your heart. It's a prayer that says sorry for ignoring God for so long. It's a prayer that says thank you to Jesus for what he's done for us. It's a prayer that says please come into my life. Be with me. I want to do life with you. If you'd like to pray that prayer, pray it 
silently in your heart with me as I pray it out loud. Let's close our eyes. Give everyone a chance. Jesus is with us. He's here by his Holy Spirit. If you'd like to pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it now. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry that I've ignored you so much in the past. Please forgive me. I now want to invite you into my life to guide me and lead me in a new way. And I turn away from all that I know has been wrong in my life. Thank you that you died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven and set free. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Amen.